It's December 15th, 2022. This is Rook. This is episode 223, The Revolution from the Backyard of Iran. Iranians in Istanbul during the uprising of 2022. I'm Gian Gomeshi coming to you from Toronto, Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz. Durup Tonight we're releasing our new documentary, shot recently in our modest independent style. We hope you'll appreciate it, and we hope it can be of help to understanding the conversation Iranians are having around the world right now, and to supporting those on the front lines of fighting for change inside Iran. In November of 2022, last month, as a popular uprising was growing against the Islamic Republic regime in Iran, we traveled to Istanbul, Turkey, to speak with Iranians in support of the movement. While public demonstrations were limited in Turkey, it became clear to us that those we spoke to from this close proximity to Iran were united in their thinking that a necessary revolution was taking place and that before too long, the Islamic Republic would fall. As of this moment, you can see the full documentary on our YouTube channel, Rook Media, the link of which we'll put in the description of this podcast. As you all know, the uprising in Iran began in September, initially sparked by the killing of Mahsa Amini whilst in custody for a hijab-related violation. The women-led movement soon transformed into a powerful widespread insurrection inside Iran aimed at ending 43 years of autocratic theocracy. While Iranians around the world were loudly demonstrating solidarity with the brave young souls on the front lines in Iran, in Istanbul, we found a different story based on geopolitical realities and the dangers of expressing dissent. But what we would also experience was an emotional journey animated by passions, sadness, politics, and the desperate desire for change in Iran. Today we're going to have a chat about what you can expect in this new doc, and we'll have our regular Rook Roundtable as well. This is Rook, episode 223, The Uprising, The Revolution from the Backyard of Iran. studio uh, in Toronto. Hi, Pega. Hello. Hi, Shia. Hi, Aziza. Smart Pega, Groovy Shia. Um, we're going to do our Rook Roundtable in a moment uh, as we've been doing. In fact, it's been strange as we've been um, preparing to release this documentary mm-hmm. that comes out tonight on our YouTube channel. We didn't actually have a regular episode of Rook on Monday. Mm-hmm. And um, this is going to be a, a bit of a strange one as we don't have a, a guest where it's all about this documentary, but we'll do a Rook Roundtable. But there's so much happening Mm-hmm. in the global Iranian sphere, obviously inside Iran, but outside too, that uh, 
uh, well, we miss a few days, you know. Uh, like people were messaging, messaging me on Monday going, oh, my God, I could just feel what your essay is going to be, guessing about all the kinds of things that I'd be um, doing an essay about on, on the, to open the show on Monday. We didn't have a show on Monday because we were doing the final edits on this documentary that we're putting out. But uh, it's good to be here now, and um, we'll, we'll get to a bit of a roundtable just to discuss what is happening. Uh, there's been some developments, uh, both um, – positive and and not so inspiring in the last uh, few days with regards to the situation in Iran and the ongoing revolution. We'll get to that, but um, this short podcast today is to talk about the release of our new documentary, Mm -hmm. The Revolution from the Backyard of Iran. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, We just didn't quite think it made, made sense to only put the audio version up because uh, there's a lot of quick cuts and music and, and, uh, visual cues mm-hmm. and and some writing on the screen uh so it just might not make as much sense audio wise actually shy and i disagreed about this uh, he thought we should just put that out as a podcast and have people fucking wondering what the what's going on but but uh it is on youtube right now it's in english and persian it has english subtitles for those of you who don't uh speak uh, farsi uh and um uh, but we'll we'll have have a few words about it here, and hope that people check it out. This mm-hmm. has been a, a a labor of love and and a lot of um, sweat and and late night hours have gone into finishing the edit of this. We turned this around pretty quickly. We were only, as you may recall, in Istanbul uh, last month. I guess uh, we came back just about a month ago, actually. Yeah, exactly. And. Uh, and those of you who are regular listeners will know that we actually did a couple of episodes while we were in Istanbul. And so some of the issues that come up in the documentary about Iranians living in Turkey are things that you might have heard a little bit about mm-hmm. on the show. Um, but basically, it's been a sprint mm-hmm. since we came back from Istanbul because unlike a lot, a lot of docs that are a snapshot in time that you can uh, and, and an issue that you can put out a year or two later, uh, this one, or if it's a biopic, it doesn't really have a time on it. This one felt like, at least we made the decision that we wanted to put this out as quickly as possible because some of the conversations are really appropriate, are germane to mm-hmm. yes. what is going on right this second, right? That's right. And I mean, like you said, it, it's ever-changing. It's evolving so quickly that uh, that it was important to get some of those messages out immediately and you know, we worked quite hard to get it turned around that quickly, and uh, I'm excited to see what everyone thinks about it. Yeah, there's, it's, it's. Um, I wouldn't say it's a. Uh, well, I, I don't want to say it's not an uplifting documentary, but it's not a. It's not. It's not like going to see a Happy Feet. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's. <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's some heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're dealing with both the revolution in Iran. Uh, the difficulty of Iranians living in Turkey right now, those who are exiled, their desire for change in Iran, and, you know, some suppression of dissent and expression in Turkey itself. Mm-hmm. All of those things put together are quite a cocktail. It's already an emotional moment for Iranians around the world, and there's a lot of emotions uh, in this documentary. Yeah, uh, a lot, actually. Um, it's funny, I hadn't seen the final edit until Monday night when we had our... Uh, advanced screening even though you knew all the, the That's parts right. i mean it. i yeah. knew i knew pretty much you, you know, thought all you the had interviews. it all figured out exactly i i really did and um you know obviously it's been an emotional time and i've definitely had my share fair of roller coaster of mm. emotions as um, a lot of people around me know but uh i broke down 
at uh, I don't know exactly what minute it was, but it, it was, was actually the first minute it, through the whole <laughs> entire. I was sitting next to you. We were we were watching an advanced screening of this, and uh, you cried the whole time. I, I did. Yeah, I, I really yeah. did. And I mean, it was just. And it's funny because I had seen parts of it. Yeah. You know, I uh, I was I was very much affected by it, and a lot of the conversations that were had um, with you know the backdrop of everything that's happening, of course, mm. inside Iran and and the news that we've been hearing. Um, so yeah, I can I can definitely vouch for the fact what, that it was what was emotional. it that was making you cry so much? I mean, obviously, there's some very moving parts of the film. Yeah. There's people talking about loss. There's people talking about, um, and and we should, you know, not to be too much of it. I mean. It, there's also inspiration in this mm-hmm. because we are talking to powerful voices who are all fighting for and hoping for change in Iran, in Istanbul, in that close proximity mm-hmm. to Iran there. So it's not like, um, I, I don't believe you're going to um, walk away depressed from this documentary, I would hope. But but it, there's a lot of emotion and some of it's quite sad. Yeah. People talking about their lives and their reality. And uh, what what was it that was triggering you? Actually, I was going to say, I think it's, it's almost, um, it's really hard to distinguish because the same things that I was sad about also also evoked a sense of hope hmm. so it's like this double-edged sword you're I mean at least I felt emotional because on the one hand it was sad to hear about um, you know everything that that we see coming outside of Iran as Iranians we all know the struggles and and I think even as non-Iranians a lot of people have seen some of the issues that Iranians face and on one hand it was the sadness of why it should be that way or why it is that way and then the, on the other hand that inspiration piece to it is to see the resilience of of Iranians inside and outside of Iran and the hope that we all have now mm. after 40 some odd years so it's a combination of these things that I think really invoke those emotions you were did a, you did a, um, a marathon of, of editing uh, Shai how, how were you feeling those things as you edited it um, so Yes, I mean, in some parts, I it was hard for me to continue editing. I really need to take a fresh air, uh, clean my tears, and continue to mm. uh, continue editing. And um, it, it generally, I mean, <laughs> while I was editing, th- this question kept coming to my mind that. Um, what happened to our society that you know a lot of I mean people have to watch the documentary to see uh, I mean these lovely Iranian why they have to move to Turkey and it's a lot of them are young people there's a there's a big difference Um, you know one of the things we've we've learned here at Rook Media one of the great lessons of the last two and a half years since we've been doing this and it was a hypothesis I had sort of going in but but it's really been borne out is that there's a connective tissue for all of us mm-hmm. in the diaspora, mm-hmm. um, all of us Iranians around the world. We feel connected to each other, regardless of geography and, and age and how long we've been outside of Iran. We all, we all feel this umbilical cord to Iran. Um, but there are differences yeah. as well from the different communities in the diaspora. And just to uh, take a couple of steps back, this this. Um, the idea of going to Istanbul um, was actually pre this revolution moment. It was it was based on the series that we started called Talking to Persians. Mm-hmm. We went to London last year and on a journey to discover the community there, and it's where I was born and grew up, and as an Iranian kid and all this. So that was that. Um, we had thought when 
Massa. I mean, he was killed, and this the uprising began, and we switched all of our programming to to dealing with this crucial moment for Iranians around the world, and obviously inside Iran, and doing what we can to support. We thought, well, maybe we have to shelve the talking to Persians idea. That who has the appetite to mm-hmm. go around traipsing around, you know, talking to different communities of Persians? But then we realized we could actually fold this idea into into the revolution and and since istanbul was one of the cities that we had thought of going to next uh, we thought well let's go it's really close to closest i'm going to get to iran Mm -hmm. you know uh, as i can't go to iran for um all kinds of reasons i've been outspoken over the years about this regime and you know so um so we go to to istanbul to to find and talk to the people supporting the revolution there and uh, it was such an interesting journey. One of the things we discover, as you just intimated, Shai, is that the community there is very different, say, from a community, uh, the big uh, Persian community here or the Iranian community here in Toronto or Los Angeles or Washington, D.C. or Sydney, Australia. One of the things that characterizes the Istanbul community is that a lot of them are pretty new mm-hmm. uh, to, to leaving Iran. I mean, yes. even half the people we have in this documentary are you know, one, two years out of leaving Iran. Um, in many cases, exiled. So it yes. wasn't like their family mm-hmm. left 40 years ago, or you know, yeah. somebody got a scholarship, or you know, got, was able to go to school in America, and mm-hmm. then the family comes, and all of that stuff yeah. that some of us ex- experience. These are exiled, and in a lot of the cases, in the creative class, because yes. they're, uh, as we discover in Istanbul, a lot of. Uh, the, the, the exiled Iranians there are creatives because they're in the kind of fields and careers that they simply can't work in in Iran. You yeah. cannot be mm-hmm. a fashion photographer. You cannot be a rock star. You cannot be no. a dancer. You cannot be these things in Iran. Yes. Um, you may be able to be a doctor or a, <laughs> a teacher or, you know, uh, you may not be happy in Iran, but there, you know, but you, you can at least work there. These occupations you can't, so they end up leaving. They end up, the first stop is Turkey and in a lot of cases it's the only stop some of them are on exile or the uh, temporary visas yes uh, so it's a completely different situation that you're that's what you're referencing yeah they're escaping you know they're, they're they're escaping for their life and for their freedom even even not only in the creative um, uh, class but like being a normal human especially if you are a woman you know it's hard to live in iran so they they just want to uh, live free uh, like have the basic freedom yeah. which really heartbreaking really hard can i just say that uh, i think it's really for those anybody who's listening right now say in calgary or in you know um san francisco and kind of going okay well iranians in istanbul what mm-hmm. what does that have to do with me you know or mm-hmm. okay they're iranians but so what uh, it, it's a really big part of understanding our broader community to not just understand what those Iranians inside Iran are going through, which is difficult for us to understand because mm-hmm. we're not literally there on the street right now getting mm-hmm. shot at, but but we, we do our best to kind of understand and support. And then to understand our own communities, but to understand that the, the, being an Iranian in Turkey for all kinds of reasons is... Um, I think it's really important to recognize what some of these folks are dealing with there. Yes. Uh, it's not it's not easy peasy, 
you know, in a lot of cases, especially if you're exiled, especially if you're on that temporary visa, especially yes. if, if you're not sure if you're going to be deported or whatever. Yes. And so um, it's it's quite an education. You know, you're, if you're sitting in a place like Vancouver or Toronto going, yeah, yeah. you know, the Iranian community is what yes. I see here. And we <laughs> go for, you know, and then we go out on the street and say, and, you know, uh, all of which is valuable. And there's a community aspect to that. But uh uh, understanding and seeing what's going on in, say, Turkey is, and we have a, a bunch of people listening to us from in Turkey. It's one of our um, um, one of our big audiences, and so hopefully, you guys who are listening to us in Turkey right now will think we did a decent job of trying to uh, unearth the the dualities, the mixed uh, reality for Iranians in Turkey. And actually, that's that's another point that I was going to make and, and mention that that was an eye-opening moment for me as well because I've been heavily involved with the Iranian community here in Toronto for, <clears throat> you know, most of my adult life and feel like I have a good sense of, you know, what, what this community is like and what the Iranian diaspora as a whole are generally like. But listening to some of the stories of these individuals and hearing the struggles that they have living in such close proximity to Iran and experiencing this revolution from that um, that close to Iran and yet still being suppressed in such similar ways. I mean, that to me was just jaw-dropping at points, yeah. to be honest. It, it's such a distinction between, you know, Iranians living in Toronto or LA or San Francisco, as you mentioned. Um, and that was really interesting to me, actually. And we have to be honest that uh, we reached out to a lot of people in Istanbul to be part of this thing and uh, some of whom we know, some of whom are friends of ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and there was a lot of apprehension or trepidation about uh, coming on a documentary like this yeah. because of the climate in in uh, the political and and um, climate for expression in Istanbul and uh, um, the folks who did end up coming on this documentary uh, the the guests that we have the the, the, the cast if you will the um, these are really brave folks who mm-hmm. um, understand that they're they're speaking out uh, in a in a in a powder keg, uh, in a situation where they're both close to Iran and they're in a country that doesn't take um, super kindly to political dissent, et cetera. Uh, and I think they all understand that. They all, in fact, most of them are active on social media as it is anyway, uh, regardless mm-hmm. of this documentary, talking about a change in Iran, et cetera, and, their, and human rights. Um, but we really, really appreciate uh, uh, you guys who've been, been part of this documentary for being part of it and uh, for uh, putting your voices out there. Yes, and uh, I hope uh, freedom uh, soon reach to Iran and Turkey both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, Turkey, there's a lot of freedom in Turkey. It's, um, it's just, there's different also not. Yeah, it's a different <laughs> kind of freedom. Uh, it's certainly a wonderful country to visit oh, and, and yes. hang out Beautiful, in at times and yeah. all that. Uh, uh, and I adore Istanbul for so many reasons, uh, but uh, eye opener is the right way to put mm-hmm. it in terms of what some folks are, are dealing with. Um, so, if you want to watch this documentary, we put the um, the trailer for it on our Instagram. But you can watch it right now at our YouTube channel. I guess that's YouTube dot com slash Rook Media, 
and um, we hope you appreciate it. We are coming to you on rookmedia.com. Uh, actually, the documentary will be at our website too, rookmedia.com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms. Uh, we are on this ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity uh, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, CastBox. If you like to see visuals with Rook, as I say, go to YouTube. And if you like your descriptions and bulletins in both English and Persian, our bilingual channel is Telegram. You can subscribe there as well. All right. Let's do a little bit of a, a Rook roundtable before we let off, and, and then we'll come back with a regular edition of Rook on Monday. Right now, it's all about our documentary for us as we've been putting out. But some things have been happening mm-hmm. in the last few days that uh, we will be remiss if we did not mention. Um, first of all, unfortunately, sadly, devastatingly, uh, executions have been continuing in Iran. And um, three days ago, we heard the devastating news of the public murder, the public hanging of Majid Reza Rahnavard. Uh, this is 23 days after he was arrested. He was sentenced to death for the uh, uh, the waging war against God, which seems to be defined as whatever random mullahs think that means. Um, the accusation was that he fatally stabbed a couple of Basij militia members. There's no way of knowing if there's even an iota of truth to that because, of course, there's no real trial, there's no real charges, there's no real defense allowed. It was just rippling through in shock and sadness. We all know this is happening, and you could feel it rippling through the global Iranian community hearing the news about this. Um, and uh, following this uh, um, execution of Mohsen Shekhari that had happened on December 8th, uh, Amnesty International had reported that a senior Iranian police commander had signed a document requesting the public execution of one prisoner connected with the protest in the shortest time possible, specifically requesting that the execution be public uh, as, a, as a gesture towards the security forces, right? Um, just uh, horrific stuff. I mean, I, I don't even know what to respond to that. I, I You know, I, I think I've said it so many times over the last couple of months that, you know, every time there's a gut-wrenching story like this, you think, you know, I, I can't feel anymore or I'm, I've, I've heard it all or seen it all or whatever else. And just the brutality, there's no end to it. There, there's no logic. There's no trials. There's no representation. None of it makes any sense. And yeah. it just consistently hurts. And anything you hear about the story, like the story of his, did you see the pictures with his mom? I did. Before, and so do and you know the video? story, Shia? Yes, describe sir. what happened with the mom for folks who didn't know about uh, this. His mom actually went to the jail to, to prison to see her, her son. And Was uh, it the day before the day he before, was executed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and... Uh, uh, she, she was happy actually when she left the prison that yeah. she was like okay so my son uh, he'll be free soon and like at the 7 in the 7 a.m. they called uh, the mom and told her that okay your we uh, we hang your son and you can go to this place this is the grave and yeah not only we hu- we've hung him but We've buried him yeah. without letting. Without I mean, you, it, it's without, without family, you, without yeah, yeah. you know, even informing you, without any choice that you know you may have about where and how and what type of ceremony. And, and I mean, 
that's the thing. There's just no end to the ridiculous nature of all of this. I mean, and you know, when we say this barbaric regime, you know, these adjectives, these mm-hmm. phrases get thrown out there, and people think this is like um, amped up, or you exactly. know, these are superlatives yeah. or something. This is literally medieval era execution mm-hmm. style. Like this is literally 15th century, like stuff that in the West history books are written about as the dark period of the mm-hmm. middle ages yeah. where people were so fucking backward that they did this crazy shit <laughs> where they actually hung people in public, beheaded them. I mean, there was a ceremony. They, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, you see it in game of Thrones, you know, yes. we're going to traipse you through tale. the community and then we're going to hang you. And it's the theater of horror. It's yeah. called right. And here we are <laughs> in this 2022 in Iran, in Mashhad. I mean, it is just, it is just unbelievable the 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 way this regime devolves, mm-hmm. you know. And, and uh, yeah, how many times can you say, you know, if you're on the fence, like if you're like, oh, I still want to visit Iran. I don't oh, know, no. you know. It's like at this point, how could you be with, yeah. with situations like this when you hear that you know someone's mother went to a prison and left feeling hopeful, and then the next morning she receives a call like that. Um, uh, did you watch the interview with Majid Reza before? Yes, yeah, so this came hung, out today yeah. Yeah. or in the last 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, it is a, he's got a blindfold mm-hmm. on yeah. and um, there's, who's interviewing him? It's like, I think it's state TV actually. Which is, I mean, think about how disgusting this is. Yeah, I mean. He's about to be executed. Yeah. There's an interview with him. You can see it on the internet right now. In fact, a lot of Iranians shared it. Why? Because as sad and grotesque as it is, Mm -hmm. is what he says is just absolutely both heartbreaking and powerful. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Packett. Explain what. Um, So State TV is interviewing him, kind of um, asking him, his last words or wishes, I guess you could say. And they ask him, you know, is there anything that you want to say? And given that this is the Islamic Republic of Iran, they ask, you know, do you want, after you've been hung, for them to recite the Quran? And so he very explicitly, actually, he says, first of all, I don't want anyone to mourn. I don't want any sadness. And most definitely, I do not want anyone to recite the Quran or to pray or anything like that. I want my life to be celebrated and I don't want anything of that sort. And I mean, like you said, heartbreaking, but inspiring. And I mean, I was just in what a hero. shock and awe. To the last minute. Yeah. yeah. The things that actually he wrote on his will that I don't want to recite Quran on my like on my funeral. Yeah. And the guy accused him like, why you say that you mm-hmm. don't want to have Quran? Yet. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and of course, I guess... Um, it's macabre to talk about, but we cannot, you know, shy away from it. Which is that, in the face of these executions, it's not like it's over now. Mm-hmm. There's not a public inquiry into what about Majid Reza. Now we now we await the next ones, right? right? Presumably, uh, and there's there's a few people on death row that are um, that we've we've heard about. Um, yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's so many that we don't even have exact numbers, first of all. I mean, all of the quote-unquote statistics that we hear coming from inside of Iran, we don't know how true they are. I mean, we know there's been thousands imprisoned. We know that there's hundreds waiting um, sentencing, hundreds who have received um, 
some notion of a sentencing of capital punishment or there's been talk about it. Um, you know, one of the people that we know who has definitely received a sentence of capital punishment is Mohamed Mehdi Karami, who's right. the 22-year-old athlete. Right. Um, and I mean, there was a viral post or photo, or I don't know if there's even a video where, you know, he's received the sentence and, and he's been quoted saying um, on a phone call to his father, you know, I've received my sentence. Don't tell mom. Yeah. And I mean, those words have just brought shivers down my spine, honestly, to think that, you know, in the face of brutality, in the face of death, these kids are still thinking how to push back and how yeah. to, you know, save or spare the feelings of their family and loved ones and things like that. Um, and then, of course, we see, you know, other news of people like um, Amir Hossein Rahimi, who's the 15-year-old who yeah. had been imprisoned and was actually released today. So, you know, then we see something like that. And again, there's even more, for lack of a better term, laughable irony in, in a situation like that. You know, this 15-year-old was imprisoned. He was potentially going to be one of those people who was going to be given the sentence of capital punishment. And then there was so much international outcry and, you know, there were so much news surrounding him that he was released. And one thing to note about him, actually, initially, his mother released a statement saying that she had been following up and, and trying to figure out what was going on. And someone, and we don't know who, but someone had told her from, I guess, a judicial office or something the, that the bail had been based at such a ridiculous number yeah. that someone in her position would never be able to afford bail and then after when we saw you know people sharing his story and sharing his photo immediately that same judicial office dropped the bail and she was actually able to go and post bail and he was released today so you know we see the importance again of of you know the international outcry and sharing these stories and, yeah. and identifying yeah. these people and it's this race to identify yeah, this, these this answer of what good will it do that's right this is the answer this is the and this is the way the the say say his name say her mm -hmm. name this is where that comes from it's it's don't don't let these people uh don't abandon these people right. even even if you're sitting in in montreal mm -hmm. or in in berlin you know there's a way to help right that's right it, it's the unknown detainees that become the easy targets it's it's those individuals who get lost in this already I'm sorry, excuse my language, but fucked up system, truly. Yeah. And, you know, they're the ones who end up on death row. There was another teenage girl who was also released today. Yes, Sonia Sharifi. She was seven year, 17 years old. She was also imprisoned. Um, she was charged with waging war against God. Again, this ridiculous title that they've been putting on these, these poor children. Um, and she was released on bail as well. And this viral photo of her, I, I absolutely love this photo. She was released and immediately after she went and stood on top of a car yes. and was holding yes. up the, the peace sign. And I mean, you know, we've talked about the the bravery, but she was just released from prison. Yeah. And she knows people are getting yeah, executed. Yeah, that's right. And yesterday I heard that one of my friend actually, they made her to confess and I'm really worried about her right now because the confession that they made her to, she confessed that about the like bomb Gozari putting a bomb in mm. Shiraz and uh, and this is completely fake and it's a big but lie. There was a forced confession. Yes. How did you hear about it? It's on news. Oh, yeah. you can see it. You've yeah. seen it. Yeah. Oh boy. And so. I'm really worried about her. 
Yeah. Her name is Dena Shebani. Please say her name. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it's true that there the argument is made often that some of the more well-known mm-hmm. people, it's like, well, why don't they go after Ali Dai? Well, right. because he's Ali Dai, and it would be a an international incident. Whereas they think they can get away with it with the mm-hmm. uh, with some of these, and so saying the name is um, is significant. Um, anything else you want to talk about in terms of the executions? And I mean, there's a there's a full list. We yeah, have I know. we have endless no, no, names no, no. to a, talk a, about. Yeah, yeah. There's a soccer player. The the yep. recently the professional football player they've added yeah. to the. Um, there's an actor, act, yeah. theater actor, and and more kids. I mean, the yeah. the whole thing is is, uh, mm-hmm. and and even the the sport of it, like. He's been. They. She's been moved from Evian prison to yeah. so that you know this is an indicator that they're going to be executed soon. I mean, it's it's all such, you know, the, I called it theater of mm-hmm. horror earlier. You know, yeah. it's like a it's like a, a a play that they're they're acting out to yeah. to 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 threaten people to scare people into you know abiding by what they want. Now, in the backdrop of all of that. Um, there was a news yesterday that I guess can unequivocally be considered um, positive, mm-hmm. and that was that finally some more movement from the United Nations, in this case expelling Iran from the UN Commission on the Status of Women, which of course was oxymoronic in the first place for <laughs> Iran to be there. But um, although gotta love Russia and China and, for, and yeah. some <laughs> other countries voting against this, but. Um, but uh, this was pretty universally, um, it's one of those things that I, I don't know how much it gets heard outside mm-hmm. of the Iranian community. And, uh, you know, I, I, I keep watching like, you know, the, the, the American and Canadian news to see if they talk about something like mm-hmm. this uh, or if it just means a lot to us. But, but still, it's a big deal. It is, yeah. I mean, again, we saw that 29 members voted for Um, Iran to be expelled from the UN Commission on Women. And that number in and of itself is is a huge win for what what is taking place in this ongoing movement for change because, you know, with the exception of those eight members who we all know who those countries are. I mean, China, Russia, Kazakhstan, Bolivia, Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Oman, and Nicaragua. There's no expectation. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's no surprise that that China and Russia tried to plead a case against this, right? But to see the 29... Didn't didn't Russia try and delay it or something? They did, yeah. yeah, They they tried to throw a wrench in in this this vote, and obviously they were shut down. But um, to see that number of of member states who voted for this, that's huge. That means that, you know, this is reaching the the ears and eyes of of the individuals that we've been trying to get it to. Um, and then, of course, there were the 16 member states who abstained. But, you know, there's there's always going to be people. And, and you don't know the reasons for that. There's yeah. A, yeah there's, That's right. As, as um, one of our guests who was on um, uh, the gentleman from Oslo uh, a couple of weeks ago said, sometimes it's a win if they abstain because mm-hmm. they're going to they're they're. They're told to vote no, or, right. or they're supposed to vote no, and they they abstain, which means it's not a no mm-hmm. vote, you know. So, yeah. um, but you know, one of the things about does this make a difference? You know, all of that kind of um, chatter, uh, especially inside Iran. I, did you see that there were reports of people celebrating this in, in Iran. cities in Iran? Yeah, that was. It's kind of amazing, you know. There is there is for all the 
bravado uh, uh, and attempts to shut shut off the to, to put a wall around Iran, mm-hmm. a cloak around Iran, where uh, Iranians inside Iran can't have internet access to find out what's going on around the world. Iranians know what the fuck's going on, of course, and uh, and so. Uh, you know that that was amazing to see people in Iran celebrating this, knowing exactly the moment of what's going mm-hmm. on and and why and yeah. I mean, I think it it goes back to this whole concept of eyes on Iran that we've we've seen and heard and been sharing kind of this this quote and this has become kind of the anthem of, of this revolution, right? You know, whether it's say their names or keep eyes on Iran, whatever it is, things that would often be referred to as slacktivism are actually working in this case because it's important that the international community continues to talk about this. We've seen it save lives. We've seen, you know, individuals coming off of of death row. We've seen, um, you know, people being uh, released from prison. We've seen situations with the UN becoming involved. And this is all because of this continuation of raising awareness and and keeping eyes on Iran. one thing I actually wanted to mention about um, about this this vote and uh, this what happened at the UN is the uh, representative from Iran's delegation met, was uh, speaking. There was a couple of things that she said that I just thought, you know, the audacity. Um, she actually took some time to say that uh, that Iran, quote unquote, condemns any politicization of women's rights and rejects the accusations that are made in particular by the U.S. and certain EU members. So, you know, the same countries who have been at the forefront of passing this and, and lobbying for this are the ones that Iran is saying, you know, it's that we're blaming them and it's politicization and this and that. So we, we can see that even with the regime, it's working. Th- this is what we've been doing, what the international community has been doing is obviously having an impact and an yeah. effect. Yeah, um, and everybody tells us that this makes a difference, including the people in Iran that Mm -hmm. we speak to. So it makes a difference, yeah. Uh, As I see some people sort of going back to business as usual in my social media accounts, I think, well, uh, uh, hang on there, buckaroo, you know, stick stick with this because uh, the people in Iran need our support. Speaking of which, um, and before we wrap up, there's been it's been really amazing to see the ongoing um, strength of demonstrations and protests mm-hmm. around the world in different parts of the diaspora. Shout out to Sydney, Australia, mm-hmm. uh, where we want to get there eventually with our Talking to Persian series. We were going to go this fall, but I don't know if you saw on the weekend there was ten thousand people yeah. in Sydney, Australia, um, having a massive rally there. Um, a massive demonstration uh, and in Montreal mm-hmm. there was a big one on the weekend um, or just right before the weekend where they marched to Melanie Jolie's office oh. um, who's the Canadian foreign minister to kind of say hey come on you know mm-hmm. why isn't the IRGC on the terrorist list still in, in Canada still dragging his feet on that yeah. as as good as Canada is in these you know moments like yesterday Bob mm-hmm. Ray speaking at the UN Commission um, <laughs> it's you know Still not on the terrorist list. So it's a good shout out to those folks in Montreal and braving yeah. cold weather, getting out there. And uh, and you see this all over the world, that momentum continuing. And it's quite inspiring. It is. And I think these are all welcomed steps, but still a far cry from true accountability. And that's where we want to get. We, w- we want to take these steps so that we can get to that place where, you know, these individuals can be held accountable. Well, um, thanks, you guys. We will have um, a full Rook Roundtable and a full show with our featured guests back to our regular shows next week. 
But in the meantime, right now on our YouTube channel, we have released our documentary, The Revolution from the Backyard of Iran, focusing on Iranians inside Istanbul during this uprising of 2022. We hope you will find it engaging, share it, tell people about it. Uh, and as ever, thanks for listening to us here. Thanks, Shia. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Pega. Thank you. Uh, go Morocco's no longer in the World Cup. No. So there's that. Sadly. There's that. Game, third place game that yes. no one cares yeah. about. It's less. It's just like a preseason leaf game or something. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit about. It. But Argentina, France. Yes, yeah. Argentina. You picked Argentina. That's your team. Yeah, always. Meaning you want them or you think they'll win. Um, no, I'm an Argentina fan from. Oh, you are from my childhood. From yeah. your childhood. Yes, okay. yes. Wow. Why is that? I don't know. Maybe Maradona. Maybe. Mm. All right. Yeah. You're, because you're so similar. <laughs> <laughs> a stocky uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. speedy, stocky <laughs> coke addict. <laughs> uh, uh, who are you picking? Honestly, I, I've lost the World Cup fever. The Khoshtip uh, French team doesn't appeal to you? Mm. At this point, I don't know. I, I really, after... The last couple of weeks, I yeah. just yeah. haven't been. I, I'm not following, but I mean, I prefer to Messi wins the World Cup. Finally. I'm with you on that too. Yeah. As much as I prefer, as much as I like my uh, ex-Arsenal players like uh, Giroud, I, I appreciate uh, Messi as the yeah. the goat, and I do want him to. I, I really think he's the greatest of all time, and and it's a it's an honor to get to watch him. You know, yeah. he's that just French a, team is really young and fast. Oh, they're amazing. Like, they're just... They're amazing. I mean, that'll be an interesting They kind of should win, but Messi's got the Messi... Fa Argentina's the, the got Messi the Messi factor. factor. We are yeah. still recording, right? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is our World got Cup podcast. That, uh, uh, all right, thanks, guys. Um, Thank you. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Savvy Roham, Talented Anahita, Paris Pega. Marathon and Shia thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content please subscribe if you haven't done so already go to rookmedia.com as well and you can support us there we really appreciate those of you who become patrons and support us with a monthly uh, uh, little uh, support donation find me on Instagram at Giangomeshi Mizunbashi Bashi.